Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, hey, you know, forget all that. Let's get to talking because, girl, it's about to get real. It's how you doing, Manja? No time for intros. How are you? Well, thank you for asking, (laughs) Tiffany. I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. I am. I I, all I can say is thank God for my child who was the best reprieve I could Mm -hmm. have every couple hours just playing with him. But um, is it wrong to feel really excited? I think I've gone through my deep funk and I am I am on the other side and feeling a bit optimistic. Dare I say the word optimistic? I feel like the response to what's happened. First of all, a lot has happened since yes. our last show. <laughs> it's like we stopped recording and the most exciting news story was the Central Park Karen and Amy Cooper's probably like, thank I God. Know. <laughs> like, which is so terrible because don't forget about her because she's a hot mess and deserves all the, you know, whatever she gets. Um but then this news broke, and doesn't it feel like in the last week, this? I don't think this would have happened if it hadn't been for the COVID pandemic. I don't think people would have been as connected to virtual world, like to social media and sitting around their houses with nothing better to do. And thank God, in a, in a way, for this virus. I mean, it's so complicated. Like, I'm kind of grateful that people have had all this free time to dig in and speak out and get galvanized around this 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 social injustice and and this moment in our history but at the same time I'm so I'm optimistic but I'm also scared I'm scared for people out there protesting and I don't want there to be another wave of the coronavirus I am dealing with my own internal demons I don't know if you guys know but <clears throat> half my family is white and I don't talk to very many of them anymore and I've been distancing myself for years now and I realize am I am, am I complicit by distancing myself by not engaging with them when I have a seat at their table potentially and I could be engaging with them. And so I've been slowly dipping my toe back into the family <laughs> Facebook wars, which yeah. um, is its own thing. But yeah, I, 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 that's it. I'm coping. I feel optimistic. I'm scared. I'm worried, but I'm hopeful. How are you doing? What's happening in your end of the, your side of the world? Honestly, I just been like, so angry. I didn't know realize how much anger there was, you know? Um, mm-hmm. because I mean, things happen all the time. And honestly, as a black woman, like who was like, I guess you could call overtly black, <laughs> like, you know, some people you're like, oh, what are they? No, you don't wonder. I'm black. 
Um, no, let's acknowledge <laughs> that you walking through the world is very different than me walking through the world, <sighs> Tiffany. And I am not a str- I am not afraid to admit that at all. And that's another emotion I have tied up in this. Um, keep going though. And then I just, it just hit me with rage, honestly. And I usually don't feel rage, but it was just like, what the entire hell? Honestly, like what? Like I was, I'm. I've just been so angry. I'm not even gonna lie. I and I don't know where to place it. I like, oh, I can't sleep with it. It's just, and to see folks' reaction. Who? I mean, black folks already know. They're like, hey, Tiff, hey, you know, I got you. Like, I. But some of the reaction to um, some of the white folks that follow me, not not a not a bunch. Either white people have been silent because they're like, yikes, we've never seen militant Tiffany. Oh my God. Cause you know, I'm not going to lie. I want to, I already know I'm very conscious. I grew up in an all white neighborhood where literally me and my best friend Veronica were the only two black kids in the whole middle school. I'm talking about middle school, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Okay. And Mm -hmm. so I'm very conscious. Like I, I, you know, I used to be super comfortable in all white spaces. Well, comfortable as much as you can be just as someone who grew up in white spaces. So Sometimes I know I have an air about me that makes me black safe. So I was mm-hmm. conscious that I knew there were a lot of white women I knew that followed me. I know my core audience is black, but I've been doing a lot more white podcasts and things. And so I was getting just this influx. So I wanted to tell a story. I told the story about the neighbor um, so they could see that, hey, you know, you claim that you think I'm so great and it seems like I got it all together. Look what happened with this neighbor calling the police Keith um Ken we're talking about Keith mm-hmm. oh Ke- Ken mm-hmm. okay wait I thought we called we him probably Keith. did Why but his real name is Ken and you know what let's say his name um <laughs> say in a whole different context yes. say his name and for those who haven't listened Tiffany you had your brother-in-law mm-hmm. right Superman's twin brother had an altercation with the white male neighbor yes. who was very offended that he dared to, have- to park his car near his driveway. Yes. And so after kicking his car and threatening him in the tree and cursing him out and jumping up with his fists up and my brother-in-law, who was 6'6 and could have smashed him with like one fist, did nothing. It was like, all right, man, and walked inside, screamed to his partner, call the police, call the police, because what else do you do? As someone who doesn't get a rise out of a black man, oh, no, 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 this can't be. This can't be. We have to mm-hmm. call the police. So I told that story, you know, on Instagram, and I, I'm I'm gonna say it felt it was I was flooded with so many um, women, white women, who wrote out to me, you know, just expressing like I don't know what to say, but that's wrong, you know. And so, and I I mm-hmm. did that because honestly, black folks already know this. That story's not for you. That's the least. Like that. That's a small. I mean, there has been way worse that happened to most of the black folks I know. Like if you are non-black. And you're a non-black man listening to this topic. Ask any black man in your life. Ask them about that one time with the police, that two times with the police. Literally every single black man in your life has a scary police story. Not a, oh, I was pulled over and I got a ticket. Has a scary police story. Think about that. Every single black man in your life, I would venture to say over the age of 17, has a scary police story. What other race can say that? Nobody. And so these were things were like building up in me and then watching people's reaction to the looters. I call it rebellion. And when Kaepernick kneeled, it was, oh, disrespect. When it was, hey, this is not right. Oh, you guys are too loud. And now that they're burning stuff down, it's like, what, what else could you, what else is necessary? And then to really piss me off, I had posted Martin Luther King. Because everybody loves to lean back on Martin as if white folks didn't murder him. 
murder him, right? So I posted Martin where he said, riot is the language of the unheard. Literally, someone's in the comments going, oh, Martin didn't believe in that. Did you just hear what this man said? I posted mm. a video of literally Martin Luther King using the words from his mouth. And you know, what would Jesus say? And then I posted John 2, 15. Jesus enters into the temple with whips and turns over the tables of the money exchangers because Jesus rioted. Because sometimes people don't hear, so they got to feel. That's what your Jesus did. And they were like, oh, oh, exactly. It's just, when I tell you the level of rage, I've been like really trying to, because I know that there's no, I, I don't want the anger to just boil. So I've just been like meeting with my team and even just myself and asking, okay, what proactively can I do other than donating and things like that? But for me, what can I do? And so there are some things I have in place. Like I want to, I want to mentor other um, black, brown and black business owners, because we create a really safe space in, in our environment. And I know that um, so many people don't have safe spaces. So if more, there were more brown and black business owners, they could hire more brown and black people so they could have safe spaces if they don't feel safe in corporate America, which so many people don't, or don't feel fairly treated. So yeah, it's just honestly, to all, to all I have to say, I've been mad as hell. I've been mad as hell. Mm. I'm soaking that in. And the last thing that you said hit me, hit me hard. I didn't realize, because um, for those of you who've listened to the show for a while, you know, Tiffany, entrepreneur, runs her own business, built her own empire. Uh, Mandy Woodruff has been in the corporate world. Uh, her Why am I talking about someone the whole third person? Just stop it. I have worked um, for com- corporations like, like most of Americans for a long time. I... Um, I have carved out this very unique space for myself at my company where I am the main hiring manager for my team. I'm the senior leader for my team. And that means I hire the people for my team and I am proud and it's not an accident. And I'm not afraid to say that, that I have one of the most racially diverse, ethnically diverse teams in our company and a company that has acknowledged this. It is no secret. It's a public company. You can see for yourself Above my level, almost everybody is a white man. Mm-hmm. And this is this is something that the company has acknowledged. My mentor, the man who hired me, is a white man. And I was speaking to someone. I was telling my mom earlier today something I hadn't never told her, which is that I don't know if I hadn't had that endorsement from my mentor, this white man, if I would be where I am today. And I've been afraid to say that. But at the same time, I also feel like that is the the proof in the pudding of the idea of allyship, the idea of being an ally. Because unfortunately, a woman of color walks into a room as I have been and has been given a leadership role and is second guessed at every turn for a long time. I got to skip go or whatever. I got a couple steps ahead of the game by having the endorsement of a white man who was respected. Mm -hmm. And it's a damn shame. It doesn't make me any less qualified for the work that I have, but it has fast-tracked me to the scene I am, and I'm not afraid to admit that. Uh, I've never spoken to this guy, to to this man about it, but I, that, that is the story that I believe to be true. Now, when I showed up to work today, I thought about it. I have a team that is largely female, Mostly white, mm-hmm. but like I said, diverse. Um, we have uh, people who are black. We have um, Latinos on our team. We have uh, anyway, just a, a, um, a wide variety of people. And 
I I could not bring myself to show up to work today and not acknowledge yes. it in some way. And we just happened to have our all team meeting on the first Monday of each month. And that happened to be this Monday. And I just I talked to my my number two and I was like, I'm thinking of doing a moment of silence. And I just wanted to get her. I, I felt like I needed her support. She's not black, but she's also a minority. She's um, uh, Pakistani and um, Muslim, and she's written about this. It's not a big secret. Anyway, I've, I kind of felt like I needed her support because mm-hmm. as a woman of color, I didn't realize this, but I am sometimes afraid to, or as a, as a way of protecting myself in those rooms where I am the only one, you don't always want to bring yes. up the fact that, oh, by the way, remember me? I'm the yes. brown one. Yes. <laughs> like, you want people to just take you as you are. And by me acknowledging what's going on in our country right now, it was almost like reminding our team, oh, hey, hey, y'all, um, I'm Mandy and yes. I'm black and I'm a woman. So anyway, I she was like, yes, we should do that. At the top of my at the top of the meeting, I I um, I said, OK, team, I, I want to acknowledge the fact that there are there's so much going on. We're in the middle of a pandemic. You guys have been killing it. We've been working business as usual, but I want you guys to know this is not business as usual, and especially what's been going on the past week with so much anger and frustration over social injustices in this country. I just want to acknowledge that it's happening, and I want to know that I don't expect you to come to work and pretend like you're not a human being. And so let's take a moment of silence and you can turn off your video, which some people chose to turn off their video. And I saw some people praying and I saw some people, you know, kind of just uh, closing their eyes for a moment. Um, and I, I'm so glad that I did it. But I also felt like I held back. Like, I didn't say, you guys, Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter. I didn't say George Floyd's name. I felt this, like... I still felt like I was censoring myself a little bit because I didn't want people to complain. Like I was a little worried that someone on my team might go above mm-hmm. me and and or to HR or something and complain because you don't want to bring politics. Not that it's a political issue. It's, it's a human yeah. rights issue. OK, but they might claim that there was some like political tone to what we're doing and or what I was doing. And, and I was a little cognizant of that and I'd never done it before. So I was a little bit nervous, but I, but I did it. And but it was there's so much fear involved sometimes in like speaking. I'm not going to lie. Yes. So like you, you, you know, worry we're... that you'll lose people. You know? Yes. Because yeah. even like I've been posting like heavily on the budget needs to page and I, I, I'm I not going to lie, I hesitated at first and I was like, well, am I, are they going to just say, just stick to finance, Tiffany? And then I was like, yo, Tiffany, you could possibly have a black son. The hell? Like, I, I, I remember my dad coming home one day like enraged and so angry. And I'm like, what happened? He said he was in a car accident that this woman hit his car. So they both got out. She said she was so sorry. He said, no problem. They're exchanging like information. A police officer pulled up and said, what seems to be a problem? Asked the woman, is she okay? She said, oh yeah, fine. And he told my father, why are you bothering her? And he was like, what? We got to a car accident. He said, no, you're harassing this woman. And she even was like, no, I, I hit his car. But he said, no, no, don't worry. And basically bullied my father to get back in the car. And he, my father did. And to avoid, it just... That's what I'm just saying. Do you, do you, for those of you who are not black, is that, is that life for you? I can remember in college, me and my friend downtown New Brunswick talking to these cute guys who were outside. We used to call the guys who lived in the town in, um, in New Brunswick townies because New Brunswick is where Rutgers is a very college town. So these were townies. So they lived there. We're like, oh, they're cute. We're just outside talking. And it probably was like eight o'clock at night. Police pull up. I'm not thinking anything of it because I don't got nothing to worry about for the police. I didn't do anything. 
As soon as the police pull up, the guys stand up, go against the gate, legs spread, hands up. And I'm thinking like, did they do, oh my God, they did something. No, the police apparently pat them down two or three times a day. That's the, that's the mm. life that these people live. That's the life that these men live, that these boys live. And I'm just like, yo, I, <laughs> it's incredible to me that folks, I get it because if you don't, I get if you don't see it, you don't realize it, but it's, it's a different world out here for other people. Yo, all my black male friends are scared every day they leave the house. If the police pull up, are scared. I remember being in a car, with my, I, I, I've been pulled over before. You know, police sometimes talk a little crazy, but it's different even as a woman. I've been in a car with my three male friends and, and um, one of them makes, I was like, ooh, ooh, wrong turn, wrong turn. He makes a U-turn, ooh, 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 the police car. I'm like, God damn, I told him my bad, I'll, I'll pay for the ticket because you know, you're gonna get a ticket for this U-turn. Oh no, we didn't get a ticket. We got pulled out of the car. The car got flipped and searched. And here I am talking like, yo, what are you doing? You can't do that. And my friends are looking at me with terror. The three black men I'm with, with terror, like Tiffany, shut up. And I, I didn't get why. Cause I'm like, why should I shut up? This is not right. You know, like you can't do this. Mm -hmm. And they were like, but the, the look in their eye, I mean, these guys are big dudes. The look in their eye was so scared. They look like two year olds that I just shut up. I shut up. You know, I stopped talking back to the police officer, telling him that he had no right to do that. And then I was like, why did you, why did you, you know, when we finally were allowed to get back in the car, why did you do that? Oh, there was a robbery or something he said. Mm. And I was like, what? And when I got in the car, they were like, Tiffany, don't ever do that again. I'm like, yeah, but it's not right. They're like, yeah, but it's, it's more important for that we get home safely. And I'm just like, yo, do you, do you know what it is to live like that day in, day out? That's how people treat you. And I'm supposed to just smile at work. I'm supposed to just pull myself up by, by the bootstraps, whatever bullshit that people tell you. Honestly. Yo, it's, I'm like, burn that shit down. I don't care. Oh, Bajanista, you, you condone violence. Are you kidding me? Racism is violence, right? Oh, slavery wasn't violence. Y'all didn't loot every other country. It's violence. You worried about Target? I haven't seen the people who have messages, messaged me that they're so disappointed that I have no problem with the, with the rebellion, not the riot, with the rebellion. Those same people, I look on their page and they're not once mentioning the death of someone. So you're worried about Target, but somebody died. Like, I'm just like, yo, honestly, I'm on one. I'm like, anybody can get it. I've been lighting asses up all week, you know, because <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I'm over it. I'm laughing, but I'm also, no, I, and, and you know what? You have every right to be over it. And I feel like it is the bubbling over of so many people who have lived what you just described and haven't shared it. Because like I said, sometimes it, it puts you at a disadvantage to acknowledge your blackness, to acknowledge that you have come into the world at a disadvantage purely by the skin tone that you were born with, which was not in your control. People don't want to hear that mess. People don't want to hear that something they had that they didn't, you know, they just were, you know, born into gives them a privilege. They want to believe the story they've told themselves that they are special, that they are better, that we are weaker, that we are, uh, that we are less educated and it's our fault. And when you share these stories, I'm so glad that it feels like we have a safe space to share them now in my little small way, which afterwards I kind of was like, that was kind of a cop out. Why didn't I just say what I was talking about? I pointed people toward the charity platform that my company supports where you match donations. And I knew that they had a fund 
a a platform where you could literally, you could donate specifically to funds they curated that support Black Lives Matter and social injustice movements, which was amazing. But I I chose not to point that specifically out to my team because I, again, I just was held, I held back. So I put a foot forward, but I still felt like I could have gone a bit, I could have gone a bit harder. And um, what happened 30 minutes after that meeting is that we got an email from our CEO. Uh, His name is Doug Lepta. It's not a secret. And he emailed the entire company. And it was a very heartfelt email. And the long and short of it is that he acknowledged acknowledged that he was a white man. He acknowledged the pain of our Black employees at our company. And he gave us space to speak on it. And it's small things, creating a Slack channel, talking about being open. But the fact that he wrote that email, and I'm sad to admit it, but I felt safe. I felt like no one can complain that I said what I said now because the CEO, a white man, has endorsed it and he has supported it and he's given us permission to be angry. And that means something. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, our CEO, you know, he has, he, you know, he supported Republican causes in the past and that's sometimes an issue with people at the company, whatever. He, But at the same time, I give him credit because it does matter what white people in power Mm -hmm. do in the wake of this crisis. And what I feel, what I feel what's shifting right now is I'm hearing less from people of color and more from people who are white and even friends of mine who are Asian, like talking to their people, talking to their communities and explaining the history and how they've benefited from the civil rights movement. And, And that's what we need. It needs to not be just our conversation. We need people who are not black to stand up and be enraged as well because they should be. Any human should be. It's not their problem, our problem, we're the others, we deserve it, whatever. Everyone should be enraged. And I at least feel heartened by that. That presents another issue, though. Have you had, well, you said like you had white followers who reached out to you. Mm-hmm. But like the the other issue is, you know, and I've been posting on social too, just trying to like speak of what's on my heart. And what happens now is anyone who has a lot of white friends or has friends who are not black or family or whatever, they come to you and they want to tell you about their black cousin or their black nephew and how they get it and how sorry they are. And they want to pour into you and they want to pour out how they feel. And they want to ask you, what can I do? Um, can you talk to me? And... There's a, there's a level of exhaustion with that. And it's like, no, I don't want to do the work for you. You fucking go educate yourself. And I'm going to share in the show notes a couple of um, – some people have taken it upon themselves to put together a publicly available list of resources, documentaries, okay. books, films, articles that any person, but mostly people who are not of color – should read, can read to educate themselves before you come to us and ask us to do the work, give you the Cliff's Notes, you know, Spark Notes version of our history so that you understand the deeper issue. And that's the that's the next, it's like the rage, but then the exhaustion. And that's where you hear people of color, like black people, we're fucking tired, tired of having to be the ones on top of our shit to explain to you the larger issue, the fact that it's not just one man with a knee in his neck. It's about decades, decades of complicity, decades of law enforcement not being held accountable for treating some people differently than others. And beyond that, forget decades. We're talking about centuries of an entire race 
um, being being bloodied, being bruised, being treated unfairly. It, and it's exhausting. And listen, I'm not, we're not a history teacher. We're not here to educate you. We need people who are willing to do that work for themselves and not put that burden on us, you know? Yeah, it's just... And that's, I that's mean, what I've kind of like been I, getting. I told myself that I was going to give myself like, you know, a week to kind of rage on it. And then like this week, I really want to focus on solutions, you know? That's why I was telling my team. I was like, okay, I've been raging on Facebook and Instagram all week. I'm tired. Um, mm-hmm. I need a place to constructively put this energy. And so like the, the teacher in me, like whenever I like something goes wrong or bad, the only thing that sets things right with me is to be of service. It's literally the only thing. Like, so I'm just like, okay, what can you do, Tiffany? How can you help? Who can you help? How can you serve? And so I'm just really like, I'm creating like kind of like a three point plan for myself of ways to serve, you know, even more women, especially women of color, um, black women, um, creating a plan of how I can serve, especially black women that have businesses. So one of the things where, where, where I did my first today kind of with like, um, a friend of ours, she mine, well, you know her too, but she has a, 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 um, a small business and she, had some struggles with her team and trying to figure out like, you know, how best to be a leader. And so every Monday I have a lead team call with, with my lead team, CFO, COO, managers, all of that. And, um, but really the Monday is just mental health check-in Monday. So that's spoken about before where I just check in, like we talked a lot about, you know, like, cause we're a largely black team. So we talk like in mm-hmm. Slack, I'm like, how y'all doing? We, you know, like uh, we have not minced any words about how we feel when people are telling us how they join marches and Anyways, so she joined us today, my my business friend, and we were basically coaching her. If she had a finance question, my CFO is here. You've got an organization or question, my COO is here. You've got a question about content, my content manager is here. You've got a question about about your online uh, school, your online platform, um, my 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 um, literature academy manager is here. You got a question about leadership overall, I'm here. So it was just really, it felt really good to pour into another business that it's on its way because I posted this um, post that I thought was so potent on my IG. It was by this um, attorney named Takara. And Takara um, said that, you know, part of the reasons why they're, you've heard that, you know, I'm sure many you've heard, like, I think it was a New York Times that did that article that said, like, Black women are the um, are the fastest growing population of business owners, of entrepreneurs. Have oh, you seen it that? was like, it was Forbes. Yeah. Forbes, yeah. Of course. Yeah. A couple right? years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, so Takara wrote that part of the reason why there's such a surge in black owned businesses and black women being the number one group of rising entrepreneurs is the blatant bias and racism we experience in corporate America. Your best talent is leaving in droves because you won't kill the cancer of racism in your leadership. You won't give us raises due to pettiness and gossip. We work twice as hard to get half the pay, but outwork and outwit almost everyone. Economic freedom is one of the ways that we're going to get free. And financial boycott moved the white populace's hand when the kettle of racial injustice boiled over in Martin's day. Remember, he marched and basically shut down that bus um, that bus company that was racist to black folks, right? Mm-hmm. So she writes, people claim that our needing and seeking out black-owned institutions to support is racist. It's not. It's survival. Your coaching programs want black money, but do not want black pain and black problems. You do not realize it's your problem too. 
We see you. We are tired. We demand more than you telling us to wait for justice. Your statuses of this is not the way fall on deaf ears after seeing so much death. Once you feel the knee of the black dollar on your neck, you will cry out and gasp for air. That's the only way, folks, listen. It is the only thing that moves governments and societies as a whole, the almighty dollar. I can attest to 90% of my team are black women, and um, they are almost all of them corporate refugees, people who have fled corporate America because of the abuse, the mistreatment, the overlooking of their skills and talents. And they've come here weary, abused, and scared at first. It takes them a few months to realize it's real here, that we do care about what you think and say you are in charge here. You have autonomy here. I trust that you know what you're doing. I don't double check and nitpick that you you run this company here, that we actually serve women that look like you with integrity and kindness. It's real. And it takes them months to acclimate to that. And honestly, it's the loss of corporate America. Racism means you lose too, because these amazing women that literally were pushed out, you know, or dragged out of their, their past positions have helped me to grow a seven figure, a month, a month company. So think about that. This small, but mighty team, how is it that in four years, like one of the the company that makes its eight figures a year, we've done that in four years, with this team of women, were there places where they were before? Folks told them that they weren't quite good enough. What a loss for them. But honestly, they're not deserving of these amazing women. And it's just like a light bulb went on and something said, I want to help other folks like me to create environments for us. Because when I posted that on on um, Takara's message on Instagram, what really instantly hurt me and hit me was the messages of so many women who are like, I'm stuck in a place like that now. They're basically mm-hmm. choking me. Like I'm dying here. There been like so many women. I just randomly quit. I couldn't take it anymore. Someone was like, you know, are you hiring? I would love to come work for you. And I wish I had a billion dollars so I could scoop up all the, all the sisters that need it. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought, well, I don't need to. What if I could help other people to be financially successful enough and to help them create environments for 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 folks like like us, a safe space to grow, learn, and to love working. And so that's what I've like committed myself to do is we're going to figure out what that kind of mentorship looks like. Um, so, you know, cause I want to be, I just, I don't want to just be angry. You know, I don't mind the anger, but I want to, I want to filter it towards solutions. And that's definitely one of the ones I've been thinking about. And, you know, I don't, I don't know how it also people are going to ask, hit me up. Oh girl, do me. And I'm like, well, honestly, I, I haven't figured out what that program looks like, but I need something. I need solutions. I, I don't, like I said, I don't want to just be angry. You need the leverage or challenge for businesses is what you need <laughs> and you'll do it. And Tiffany, what you've done and what you've built, you've already done so much. You have, you are putting food on the table for the families of black women who can go to work and not feel like they need to hide who they are like me often and who don't feel when they come to work, they have to pretend like things aren't bothering them that's happening or like that means so much. And for me, I don't think I'm going to be a refugee from the corporate world anytime soon. And for me and for people, I would say, who have risen to a level of leadership in corporate America, I feel I feel this I feel this responsibility with the position I am in. Somehow I got here. Who cares how? I know in part it was because I was endorsed by a respected white man who I love a lot. He's amazing. But 
I'm in this position and I feel a responsibility to be the budgetista in my company. Mm -hmm. And I feel my responsibility. Now, I'm not I'm not naive. Do I think I'll be here forever? Probably not. I know I'm talented. I have other ambitions. But I want to say, and not to be corny, but you hear that Beyonce song, I was here. I want to be able to say I was here and what I did mattered and I made an impact. And I don't feel like I can leave until I have done that. But at the same time, I did have to come to work today, which your employees did not have to do, and check myself before I acknowledge what's happening in the world and get, I felt like I needed buy-in from someone else on my team. Um, and I did it. But then, of course, to have the CEO's support, that meant something as well. But um, I say all this to say that for those of you who are working for companies, I think now it is a time for you to stand up and speak to your colleagues. It seems like something has shifted in the way that people are being open to hearing from us right now. So use this opportunity, speak up, use your voice, you know, use it to your advantage. Um, ask for the recognition that you deserve. Bring up the fact that, well, okay, this is what's happening in the larger world, but what's happening in our company is that we, I've noticed in what position you have, that there is pay inequity along racial lines. Like use whatever platform you have to, to, to create change in your small pocket, um, wherever you fall on the corporate ladder. Because I know so many of you guys are out there. And I can't wait till the world is fill, full, fold, filled <laughs> with, with budget nista inks. And I, and I feel like we can definitely get there. But we need, unfortunately, the reality is that we need non-Black business leaders because they are the majority mm -hmm. to feel our pain and hear us and think that our cause is worthwhile. And I sincerely hope that, you know, those this does not end here. And I hope that it continues. And we have to hold our business leaders accountable. Ask those questions at your town halls. Send the anonymous, you know, notes to your your uh, companies. You know, they always have these like comment boxes or whatever. Ask the tough questions. Acknowledge that there's inequities and hold your leaders accountable. Because if you were afraid to do it before, I think now there is something shifting and there is an opportunity for you to do it now. Yeah. I'm exhausted now, but <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I. That's all I, that's all I, I, I that's all I, <laughs> no, it's, just, it's a lot. Yeah. And I just, I'm just glad that there's a place to like express that here. And you guys like, you know, come along Thank for the ride. Thank God for brown ambition. Thank God. <laughs> Cause what does brown ambition mean? Like, mm -hmm. this is it. It's the fact that brown ambition is different. You yeah. need to want it even more. You need to fight for it even more. You need to have bigger balls than everybody else because you have to go in there thinking what the I just today I was talking to someone on my team and I was like, we were talking about tackling a new project that neither of us had much experience in. And I was like, listen, today my name is Mark and your name is Ian. And we are going to approach this project with the confidence of a mediocre white man because the mediocre white man has never been told or has no one assuming that they're not good at something. So let's just pretend today that we're that person. I'll be Mark, you be Ian, and we're going to kill this because you know what, dude, we can do it, you know? And um, it's sad, but it's true. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just feel I something is shifting. I support the anger. Fuck the looters. I under, like I don't support anyone burning down businesses that is unnecessary, and it's heartbreaking to see that. But, like, we can't get distracted by that. People are always going to commit crimes. Forget about looting. There's all p kinds of people, all races and doing quite really honestly, stupid shit so many, right now. There's so many 
folks that have infiltrated pretending to be. Yes. Yeah, I've seen and, that over and over. They're like, you know, that so many folks, and it, it happened in Ferguson, but people were ignoring it. Um, and like, you know, I, I don't, I guess it wasn't as much video proof, but now we're seeing video after video after video where we're like, wait a minute, that's not brown folks looting. That's not brown folks walking out. You know, and it's so crazy because there was a woman who was calmly walking out of, I forget what it was, um, what store. It was like Gucci or whatever with all the stuff in her hand. And the news anchor, while she's talking about the other looters, say, oh my goodness, here's a woman come out. Maybe she's an employee. Of course, because she's a white woman. So there's, it, she can't possibly be looting. <laughs> Can you imagine oh maybe she's an employee walking through the glass and the rubble with clothes in her hand, leaving? So it just, I, here's the thing. Like I, I, I honestly, I don't care about that. I don't, I mean, I mean, I don't know what it's like to, you know, have a storefront and for it to be broken into, but I assume that's what insurance is for. And here's the thing. Yeah, you'll be just, fine. Exactly. And here's the thing that I think that as much as everyone's saying, it's like, I have my, my three, my four-year-old nephew, uh, Roman nephew was over yesterday and he was trying to get my attention, but I didn't notice. So he said, auntie, auntie, auntie. I didn't hear him. I was talking to my sister, auntie, auntie, auntie. Next thing I know, Roman goes to the table and pushes my pushes something like I had like my phone on the ground. And I look, I'm like, Roman, what are you doing? He's like, Auntie, I was asking you. That's what people do. You ignore, you ignore, you ignore, then you'll feel. And so that's where we are now, that folks have spoken, they have kneeled, they have marched, they have done all the things. The only reason why the world is listening now is because the world is burning. And so mm-hmm. I am like, you know. And it had to burn yep. again mm-hmm. and again. And again. And it took so many George yes. Floyds. And there's st- it's happening every day off camera. Yes. There's so and many people that don't get a hashtag. Depressing thing. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to share really quick something. And I wanted to make this point because it's so important. We just got an absentee ballot for our local elections this summer. And I want to say, this is, a, this is a quote from Barack Obama's email that he sent out, his statement that he made in response to what's going on right now. And I want people to get this because this is why it matters. Not forget who the president is. Yes, it matters. Yes, we must vote in November, but it is the smaller elections that truly matter. So as Obama says, it's mayors and county executives that appoint most police chiefs and negotiate collective bargaining agreements with police unions. It's district attorneys and state's attorneys that decide whether or not to investigate and ultimately charge those involved in police misconduct. Those who are those are all elected positions. In some places, police review boards with the power to monitor police conduct are elected as well. But unfortunately, voter turnout in these local races is usually pitifully low, especially among young people, mm-hmm. which makes no sense given the direct impact these offices have on social justice issues, not to mention the fact that who wins and who loses those seats is often determined by just a few thousand or even a few hundred votes. You guys have got, this is the end of the quote. Y'all, this is me saying, this is Mandy. Y'all have got to vote in the the, the non-headline elections because that shit matters. And I can't, we need to make sure that people understand that in our communities, especially young people. That's where we can start shifting things. You don't have to run for president, run for your local city government. That matters. That impacts people's lives locally where you are. Exactly. And I think that we need basically, yeah, because you're right. It's it's the local election. And that's what, that's what folks are counting on, that people won't be aware during those times. And I'm just like, I'm just mm-hmm. tired. Yeah. We're tired. I'm tired. And you guys have permission to be tired. We're tired AF, but we're here. And I'm so glad to be doing this podcast with you. We couldn't 
we need we need to be here. We need to make people. We need to share our experiences with people because they're having the same experiences themselves. And you guys have been sending notes to Brent Ambition and to me on my um, IG account. Continue sending us notes. Send us emails. We're going to take a couple questions in the next segment of the show, as we always do. We want to hear from you guys. We want to hear what you're experiencing. How, like, what is it like for you at work today? What is it like for you in your small business? What's happening? Do you feel like things are shifting? How are you feeling? Feel like we're a safe space for you to come to. Mm-hmm. Um, I I certainly feel that way. I may not have, you know, I may not have the the support that people on the Budget Nieces team have at my job every day, but I know I can come to you each week, Monday or Tuesday or whenever we decide to record, and I'll have someone who understands what I'm going through, and that that means something. <sighs> Should we just end the show there? Is that it? Are we done? <laughs> no, no, let's take questions. <laughs> let's take questions. That's yes. what I'm ex- that's what I come from when I'm say I'm excited. It's just like, okay, finally. It's almost like, okay, cool. I'm gonna sit back and let the white people debate how, you know, terrible this is. Like, y'all got it. You know, educate yourselves is cool. Everyone else should be talking. Um, all right, but let's take a couple of questions. Um, we'll take a quick break and be right back with um questions. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, y'all, we are back. Again, you can shoot us your questions on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is brownambition. You can also hit us up on email at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. All right, so this is actually a good question. This comes from a listener from Instagram. And when I saw this question, I immediately responded and I said, yes, we will take your question. She she says, hey, Mandy and Tiffany, I love the podcast and can't wait to listen every Wednesday. I have a question and would like to remain anonymous. I'm currently in an interim role at work and just interviewed for a permanent position. I work at a university and budgets have been shrinking. Even still, my predecessor earned $25,000 more than I am and they had a doctorate, which I'm in the process process of finishing. Do you think if offered the position, it's wise to negotiate in the middle of a pandemic, or should I just be grateful and take what's offered? Can you guess what we're going to say, Tiff? <laughs> <laughs> this is a good question. <laughs> no, right, right, right. 
don't let a pandemic get in your way. It's not, they're going to find a vaccine. It's going to be okay. And also, you know what's hard? It's hard to ask for more during a pandemic as an employee. It's also hard to hire during a pandemic, okay? Because not like companies are either, if you're not laying off people, you may be in the middle of a hiring freeze, which means if you have someone who is eager and talented like yourself with this job, you're not going to want to lose you, that person, because you you may not be able to rehire that position. So you you have more power than you might think than you do. And 1,000%, I think you should negotiate. Forget the pandemic. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree that negotiating what your worth is, because I think, Mandy, you said it in a, in a, in a podcast earlier that it's not just this time that it's going to set the stage for what you get paid the time after the time after the time after, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, that your, your typically, um, salaries are built upon like the salaries from before. So if you don't get if you don't get your 25,000, then, you know, next time, let's just say as a woman, you're already getting less anyway. And it's 5,000 less. It's really not 5,000 less. It's $30,000 less. It's a compounding problem. So go yeah. for what you're worth. People are always going to try to give you less. I um actually kind of like, I was, uh, we were talking about this earlier, Mandy, about like how I kind of blew the lid off. Well, I didn't even tell you I blew the lid off. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to blow the lid off FinCon. I'm tired of it. The, the founder of FinCon posted some really insensitive uh, tweets. And I said, you know what? Because people were like, oh, you know, don't crucify him for these few tweets. <laughs> Tell the folks what FinCon is if they're not familiar. So it's just a, it's a big financial educators conference. That's actually where me and Mandra met. Well, no, well, we met kind of just because you did a story on me. But in yeah, person. I found you time. myself. <laughs> right? But in person, we went. It was the FinCon in uh, New Orleans. It was like such a beautiful city. Anyway. So, um, yeah, so big financial conference, lots of, literally thousands of people go. It's actually a lot of fun. But I started to notice some changes I didn't really like. The founder is a big, huge supporter of He Shall Who Shall Not Be Named, 45, which I'm like, okay. But some of the things that he would tweet, because I'm, you know, I'm in Elevate, which is a, um, a, a brown inclusive group for financial educators. So there's a, there's a FinCon Facebook group, which I'm a part of, but then there's this brown Brown Elevate group that I'm also a proud of. So basically, it's everyone non-white male in that group. That's what we we have Asian folks, we have Spanish folks. It's great. Um, and so we would share those tweets and be like, "Yeah, this makes me really uncomfortable." And people would share stories, but every everything was always hush, hush, hush. But someone from the group, Tasha, who I don't know, she's got like balls of steel, posted some of his tweets today in the FinCon group and said, "Let's discuss. This ain't okay." And so it was deleted. And she said, "Ha ha." Actually, I think my, my, my post was deleted. Let's discuss. This ain't okay. And so people started to talk about it in the comments. And then stories started to come out of previous bad behavior. And I wasn't going to say anything. But I'm like, why are you not saying something, Tiffany? Why is it that we always get to be quiet? So I was like, you know what? Earlier this year or like late last year, I was asked to do a keynote for FinCon. I mentioned this before, but I didn't say it was FinCon. Because I guess I don't know if I was afraid. I don't know. I just didn't feel like the smoke. But I want the smoke now. And um, I was offered 200, oh no, um, I was offered um, 2,500, which is egregiously low. So much so, like literally churches pay me more. Uh, they will take a collection and pay more. And especially knowing that other, other um, uh, white men from years ago were paid up to $50,000. 2,500 for Tiffany, 50,000 for a white man. Yes, and, I remember you talking to yes. me about this. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to you, Mandy. Off the air. Yes, we did. And I was like, Mandy, can you find out what other folks were? So I reached out to everyone to find out what other folks were paid, just so to see if I'm, a, if I'm am I bugging? 
And people were like, literally, I got a list from someone. It was like, this person 20,000, this person 30, this person 50, this person 40, and then Tiffany 25. And there was another sister who spoke at FinCon. And I said, let me reach out to her keynote. Let me reach out to her. She was paid 3,500. So there's a clear pattern here. And so I posted it in that thread and then I posted it on Twitter and it's probably went viral. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah. And then instead of saying, oops, my bad, he came back and doubled down. It was like, actually, that's not the deal we approached Tiffany with. We said we would buy a thousand, two thousand of her new books, Happy Birthday, Molly Moore, for $3.50. Meanwhile, Mandy, I told him it cost me $5 just to print the book. So you offer so I can lose $2 in every book. I'm sorry. I, how was that? And he was like, that's $7,000 right there. Oh, 7,000 that you give me while I come at 5,000 out of my pocket. Got it. And then, thank you. Right? Oh, nice. <laughs> and then he offered that I, I said, you know, I was like, before he gave me his number, I was like, you know, I could totally bring 300 dream catchers to FinCon. They would love to come and you know, they would pay. And he was like, oh, okay, great. We will FinCon in general has a affiliate program. You bring like a certain group of people, you get, basically you, you earn some of the money that was given to FinCon. And he put it in this offer that that would be some of my money. So he's telling me, you, my pay is going to come from the money I give him. So I'm going to give you $50,000 and you're going to give me back 2,500. What in the, I, and, and the, the fact, what was so crazy to me is that he, shared a screenshot of the email he sent like, oh no, we didn't just offer Tiffany 2,500. We offered her even these work. I had not, I was like, I'm not even going to fully play him. I had not even shared the full egregiousness of the offer, but he shared it. And I was like, do you even see how crazy this is? And you still have yet to address what were other people paid? So someone's like, so she was right. You offered her $2,500. You, but on top of that, you offered her for her to have a loss on the books that you were going to quote unquote buy. And then on top of that, you also offered her, um, to uh, a piece of her. And I, I told him distinctly, like me bringing my audience doesn't benefit me. It benefits your bottom line and your faux diversity. Like, because you know, my audience is going to be largely black women that come. And so someone just actually messaged me today. Another woman, another woman of color was like, girl, you better than me. He offered you 2,500. Um, years ago, he offered me a Starbucks card and, and some, and some book sales. I'm like, no, he didn't. Not a Starbucks card, not a Starbucks card. Can you imagine? So the lid is being blown off. And I mean, it, it's time. And so many women like literally message me, like I have stories too. And I'm afraid to say, I'm afraid to speak up for myself. And even, I'm not going to lie, even with my platform now, I, I feel I was nervous to say, and I was like, well, Tiffany, what can he do to you? Like, I mean, uh, is he going to tell dream catchers don't follow Tiffany? <laughs> but still there's a nervousness about standing up for yourself. And I, I to bring it back to the question asked that, if, if, if we don't stand up for ourselves, then who, then when, you know, that had maybe someone said something earlier, it wouldn't have happened to me. And had maybe I not, had maybe I said something earlier, it wouldn't have had it happen to someone else. And it's like, I just don't want to be afraid to say when something is wrong. You know, we, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, sometimes it is hard, but I want us to practice as women, as brown ambition folks to stand up and say, we deserve this and to say when something is wrong because enough is enough already. And also it's unfortunate, but 
in this position, you you were in. It's it's fortunate that you were in a position to be able to turn down such an offer and expose it for what it is, so that the next person who comes behind you. Now I don't know if there will be any people behind you because of what <laughs> what's happened on on Twitter. I've caught up since you told me about it. Um, now I, I, I who knows will come after you, but at least it'll make the runners of this conference think twice before they try and shortchange somebody who's worth so much more and try to make assumptions about someone. You have to know your own value. And sometimes it is hard. You have to like, you have to do the power pose. You have to talk, you have to, you know, that's what I, I give myself the white man name. I'm like, today I'm going to be Mark <laughs> and I'm going to go in and I'm going to destroy this bro. Cause like we can do it. Um, you need to psych yourself up in that way because unfortunately what society has told us is that, oh, you're a woman, you're a person of color, you know, things aren't, there's not there's not unfairness out there. It's just that they're better than you and yeah. you're just not as talented. And that's not fucking true. It's a lie. It's a lie that we've been sold to justify the success of other people um, for doing less work because they're privileged in ways that we're not. And I, I'm, I'm glad that you spoke up. And that's just another reason why, yes, this is pain. And it's heartbreaking that a man had to be stolen from his family. And God, I pray that the people who were responsible, including the man who held his knee to that, to George Floyd's neck, I hope, I pray that they are held accountable. But at the same time, ugh, so many people have had to perish. And I, I, I just hope that their deaths are not in vain. And we really finally start to see some change. Like, dear God, we need we need meaningful results from this. We need those lives to matter. Um, they do matter, but we need them to matter in their deaths as well. And I, I, I hope, and, and maybe it's a small, you know, a small win, but I, I, I just hope that in some way by encouraging people like you, Tiffany, to speak out about how you've been impacted in the world um, and other people that we will see some real, some real progress. Um, there needs to be an acknowledgement that the, the starting line is not the same. It's not. It is not the same. Fuck your bootstraps. You have gold bootstraps mm -hmm. if you're born into this world, white and male. Okay, and it's it gets less. The bootstraps get less nice from there. Okay, I don't even know what a bootstrap is. I'm just taking this, you know, this American <laughs> terminology and just trying to. <laughs> it, you know what it is? It's just it's, what's so frustrating is that, and I, because I, like I said, I, I honestly didn't want to say, but I said, Tiffany, you are you are in a position of privilege, honestly, when it comes to this that. Like there's very little that can be done to you, at least from him. Mm. Like, cause I mean, what he could tell a brand, Hey brands, if you want to work with me, don't work with Tiffany. I'm good. I actually make literally 90% of my money from the people that I serve. And I did that on purpose. I was very conscious when I started the budget Nista that I didn't want, I wanted that I earned my money from my, from the very community that I promised to serve. And that if the only way I could mess that up is to not be a good steward of my service, then I would deserve to lose Dreamcatchers not following me or not, not you know, not not patronizing my business. I would deserve that. So I, I, so I really had to run through it. Like Tiffany, everyone can't say, girl, but you can say because what's he what's he gonna do? He's gonna call Own and be like, I saw you had a uh, Tiffany on um Own. Don't do that no more. Like you gonna blackball me? I'm black already. Like there's no. And, it, and honestly, I, when I looked at the thread of everyone that he reached out to about like, you know, basically he was like kind of like battling against everyone. And it was like, hey, Tiff, would love, would love to chat with you. Hey, Tiff, the tone totally changed. And I, I'm, I know why, because he's like, yikes, she's not the one, the two or the three, because Tiffany, I, there's no bullying that could really happen here. Not really. Like I said, even if he kicks me out, of, I'm not going back to FanCon. It's a wrap. 
for that. Um, and so don't need it, you know, but I just thought like, Tiffany, this is why you have to say something. And this is what, with everyone in positions of privilege, it's not supposed to be easy. And that's what I told myself. I'm like, Oh, you scared? You nervous? You don't want to smoke today. You feel like you don't want to get in the mix. Yes. That's exactly how you're supposed to feel. And you're supposed to do it anyway, because if you don't, there are people whose platforms are not as big that, that genuinely would be negatively impacted if they went against him. That's not you. Tiffany, you know, you, you're just feeling a little uncomfortable. And so that's why that's what, cause I was, I I'm telling you, I vacillated. Like, I don't know if I should say, I don't know if I should say, but when I tell you, Mandy, how many hundreds of tweets people sent me, I didn't even, you know, I just, to me, it's just me, my, my, my sisters, my mom, my dad, and like, like my three friends. So I, I don't really look outside of myself. It's just me at home, but so many tweets of people being like, what you, but Denise you're the reason, so many people said, you're the reason why I started teaching financial education. I'm talking about women of every shade and color and hue. Yo, my heart was so full. Like, Tiffany, you, this happened to you? And I thought, this is why you had to say something, Tiffany, because people need to know that no one is exempt if we don't say anything. I didn't realize the impact that, like, with what I had grown had. I mean, I know on my audience, but I didn't realize on the financial community as a whole, just looking at some of the comments. It just really, like I said, wore my heart. How many women were like, yo, I started teaching financial education because of you. Yo, Tiffany, you're you're my mentor in my head. Yo, you're my best friend in my head that came up over and over because you know I'm crazy. And so everyone's just like, yeah, it just... I made the right decision. It's not easy. I'm sure there'll be some backlash and I'm still vacillating if I should even take the call. Um, I, I don't, to me, there's no excuse for it, but I'm like, well, maybe it's an opportunity for him to learn and grow. I don't know how I feel about it. I also want to protect my peace. So I'm also not looking to be further aggravated. Um, but yeah, it just, we have to say something. We have to say something enough of the silence, silence emboldens people and makes them think they can continue to abuse others. No more. Yeah, absolutely. But you made a good point. It's protecting your peace and it's deciding when to engage and when to pull back. Mm -hmm. And each of us has to make that decision for ourselves. And it's fine if today you decided to put your head under a pillow and not engage with the world and you have no idea what happened to the news. That's fine. I feel like we're all entitled to to cope and handle it in our own way. And I'm so happy that you chose this moment to speak out. Um, But I also want to acknowledge the fact that some people are just so tired. And they don't have, and it's like you said, there we have to speak out because we are in a place of privilege for whatever reason. And there are people who are too tired and can't take the risk who are out there. And and that's why you do what you do. And it's definitely why I do what I do as well. Yeah. Um, and that's a privilege in, in itself. Whew. Thank God for this show. Okay. <laughs> what do we even do now? Do we want to do a brown boost? I don't yeah, know. I do want to do brown boost. I'm going to take a break. I would do a brown boost. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll be right back, guys. And we're going to do brown boost, brown break. Brown boost, brown break. Yeah. All right, Tiff. There's only one option tonight. You must brown boost. <laughs> yes. I am going to brown boost. Um, you know what? I'm actually going to brown boost so for the very first time ever, I hosted something. So CBS News reached out to me and they asked me to host something about insurance fraud. And I'd never been a host before where like I interviewed the experts. And what did they say? I was like, oh my God, I'm a whole ass anchor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was so strange. Because, okay, Gail. <laughs> because insurance fraud can be kind of boring. And they really, they reached out to me because they were like, we want somebody who's going to jazz it up. And so, and what's so crazy, it came on prime time. Sunday morning, right after the mayor had like a live address and I came on right after it was freakish. Cause honestly, I didn't know. I never know if something's going to be a big deal. I never know until the thing. And so it comes on and it's like, 
let's talk about an insurance fraud special with Tiffany, the budgetista. I was like, wait, what? Like, I'm thinking like, I'm just part of the special, not the special. So yeah, it just, honestly, it warmed my little, my little brown heart. And, um, yeah. So you're reporting live from Newark, New Jersey with a face mask on with like a burning building behind you. No, that was so cute. Cause my dad's like, will it be live? I'm like, daddy, no, I, it, we picked it two weeks ago. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was just cute to have my parents watch and just so, you know, for them to be like, oh my goodness, they just can't believe, you know, cause for Africans, anything that's not a doctor, lawyer, engineer, is a drug dealer. So the fact that I made drug dealing work. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was just, as much as I've done, that was one of the cooler things because I'd never done anything like that. You know, I've been like an expert on a show or like whatever on a show, but to literally like host and move things along and ask questions, it just, yeah, I have to say it was a very, very, very cool experience. And, you know, I felt good about it. So that is my boost. All right, beautiful. My boost is going to be a couple different things. So one thing is I'm I'm going to okay, fine. Callie will do it because Callie is amazing, and they're going to hear this, and they're going to go find the links. I'm going to send you the links, Callie, to these two Google Docs that contain resources for anyone looking to educate themselves about the long history of social injustice against Black Americans in our country. They are the, like, instead of engaging with any white person, any Becky or any Keith or any Karen who tries to come to you and ask you, please, you know, help me understand, just put a smile on your face and send them these links instead and just give yourself the day off. It's not our job to educate people. And these Google Docs, I don't know who they were curated by, someone magical. I want people to share them because I've shared them and I've heard from friends of mine who have taken advantage of them and actually gone through them, which is beautiful. And I don't feel like I have to go and tell you to go watch the documentary 13th by Ava DuVernay and all that kind of stuff. It's awesome. So that'll be in the show notes. Please take the burden off yourself to explain to people what they can do their own um, work to educate themselves on. And then next, I'm sure you guys have seen by now, there is this, um, so I guess this boost is for my baby. I don't know. Just he deserves a boost. He's sleeping on his own in his own room right now for the first time ever. So he's on my heart. But there is this clip of, um, I guess this kid was like on some reality show, but his name is um, Kedron. Is that how you say it? Kedron Bryant? So. K-E-E-D-R-O. Anyway, so Keedron Bryant, his mom, which I think is also beautiful. So he's 12, year old, 12 years old, young black boy. And he um, has a pretty big platform because he was on this reality show. But his mother wrote this song and he sings mm. these lyrics that are so powerful. Yes. And the, the line that ricochets through my head is, I just want to live. Mm. Um, and it is such a beautiful song. He only posted like 50 seconds of it, but there's already like remixes and yes. Will I Will I Am did a remix. Yes, I saw it. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So I listened to it, I don't know, sometime over the last few days. It's all a blur. This morning, though, I was listening to, I was just, I had the Today Show one because I love me some Hoda and it's my little guilty pleasure. So I turned on the Today Show and I was you know, with the baby and he was whatever. And as and she happened to have Keydron on the show with his mom and they played a clip with that song and my and Rio starts crying. Aww. And I'm looking at him. Well first this is a funny thing. He starts to smile and he's watching the TV and then he starts to cry as soon as Keydron gets to the line, I just want to live. And 
you know, I'm like, what is he? Is this because of the song or is he just like, is his diaper poopy or what's mm. happening? So I rewound it and I played it again. Not because I'm mean, but just I did it again. And every time he got to that line, Rio just burst into oh. tears, burst into tears. Babies be and knowing. I, they know and he knows. And I just, I felt so much. It was just really powerful. And I, I feel like my son is like, a, is just he gets things and he's of like every parent. I'm like, my son is the most special baby ever. And he's so intelligent and so smart, but he's my constant reminder that I have to do better and I have to teach him. And to anyone, whether you're a parent or not a parent, you're a, an aunt, an uncle, you have a child in your life, there is a responsibility. Um, and I want to do a big boost for anyone who has helped raise beautiful humans mm-hmm. who respect and love one another. And we have got to do better. I think our generation's I, millennials, like we okay, but we can do so much better for the next generation. And um, I commend those of you who are out there trying to be a better example for our young people. Um, it's it's exhausting to think about it, to have those conversations with children. Even Tiffany, I don't know how you're talking to Supergirl about it. Um, she's old enough to, to yeah. be there in social media and, and to be exposed to all this. And um, I will just say, give yourself grace to parents, aunties, uncles, godparents, whatever. Give yourself grace. There's no perfect way to, to help explain things. But having that dialogue is so important. And I hope that, um, I just hope that one of the silver linings here is that people do feel like they can have those conversations at the dinner table. And it's so important for us to tell our stories to our young people and not let them hear whatever, you know, altered version of the truth they're getting from social media mm-hmm. or their friends or, you know, the media in general. So um, I think I'll I think I'll stop it there because this has been a very long episode. And like I said, three glasses of wine and I need a fourth. Like knowing that I was going to like, you know, chat with you today. I'm like, I feel because I was on one when I talk about, you know, that I never understood that Drake song. Free smoke, free smoke, hey, free smoke, girl, free smoke. I said, oh, I'm Drake up in this piece. Free smoke. (laughs) Who want the smoke? (laughs) I'm a little annoyed that Instagram is not serving me this budget needs to content because I'm like, I don't see any posts up in my feed. (laughs) Also, the Twitter, I have a lot to catch up on. Yeah, just just type in Vincon. It'll come up. But uh, okay, I'm I'm gonna catch up. Yes. So well, you have um, 325,000 followers, and you're verified on Insta. Oh my god. <laughs> but you're no, like I, famous. I I just and you know what? I do want to please y'all, please y'all, please y'all. I'm just gonna do one minor um, break. It's just that there there are more um, spam accounts that are pretending to be budgetista with like the underscore before, or after, in the middle, or whatever. I don't have any underscores in my name. It's a scam, and I feel really bad because someone actually gave one of the scam artists money. So they enter into your DM, say, hey, this is Tiffany's private account because I don't get to answer everything from my business account. And then they say something like, um, you know, I I can help you make money with Bitcoin. I, you know, it's a, it's a company that I use. Um, you, you know, for every thousand dollars you invest, you get back eight thousand dollars, something to that effect. Um, hey, I, you know, what's your phone number? I'll WhatsApp you the link. And then they steal your money. So that's been we, there's literally like six accounts floating out there. And I just I'm not going to do any more social posts about it because it just, I mean, we, I would just post every day. I only can say that not just for me, but don't give anybody on IG just random money. Um, so folks have been messaging me like, is this you? I'm like, it's not. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say, honestly, other than. Well, 
Not to inter- well, okay, fine, I'm interrupting. Um, <laughs> not to interrupt, but that's exactly what I'm doing. My brother told me, because I was telling him I was going to donate to a couple of, um, there's these nonprofits that are legal defense funds that you can donate to, and they use the funds to bail people out who are arrested by doing protests and things like that. And um, the Minnesota Freedom Fund was one that people were donating to. Anyway, my brother was like, well, be careful because some of these funds are actually run by white supremacist groups and who are diverting the funds. So you definitely want to do your Googles and do your research before you donate to charities. And I'll shoot a couple of links to include in our show notes of where you can start to find some charities um, to donate to. Because Tiffany, I don't know about you, but I, I've i chosen not to be out there protesting. And it kind of has been hard because my sister, who's white and lives in Wisconsin, was out there protesting. Oh. And my little brother, who lives in Atlanta, Georgia, was out there. He walked seven miles yesterday, okay. um, peaceful marching in Atlanta. I <clears throat> I don't know how to do it in a safe enough way for my child. Like I just don't, and I and I fear for people who are out there protesting because I the second wave of coronavirus. I just God, wouldn't it just be terrible to you know to sicken our people even more yeah. by protesting? You know, anyhow. So I I haven't been out there marching, although. If I think if I was a year ago, I definitely would have been. Um, but the way that I'm choosing is like using my platform to yes. talk about issues and then to donate to some causes. So um, anyway, all this is to say that if you're going to donate, pull out your wallet, be sure you do your due diligence and you're giving to the right groups. And, you know, the last thing you want to do is give money to someone who's not going to use it Yeah. Um, for the right for the right reasons, the right cause. And that's exactly what I've been like, because I want to donate like a good amount of money. And I've just been trying to figure out, oh, what's a definite place that's really going to go to help people? Um, so, yeah. So, I, yeah, I'm going to look at those links, too, because I've been seeing links, but that was my nervousness, too. How do I know? I don't want to give $10,000 and it's like this, like, crappy thing that doesn't go to help anyone. I, I really honestly want to give to people to get bailed out. So I'm trying to find, like, an organization that I'm like, oh, they definitively and definitely bail people out. Maybe you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call Michaela. She's my friend who's an attorney. It helps folk out, folks out like this if she is like, oh, no, no, girl, this is legitimate. That's what I'll do because I want to make sure, to your point, that we're making putting our money where, where, where it's really going to be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. The platform that my company um, uh, does charitable ugh, does charitable donations through is called Brighter Funds um, or sorry, Bright Funds. And they have like a curated list of nonprofits that you could donate to. Um, but... I, I, I I'll, we'll try and give some good links so that wherever you are in your, because it's important to donate to like a local organization too. National ones are very important. ACLU for sure. But also if you can just support the local funds in your back, um, in your backyard. Um, is that even an expression? Whatever. Three glasses is <laughs> fine. Um, uh, that will make, you know, a small difference in, in your community. So we'll include some links for you guys to check out for sure. Free smoke, free smoke, hey. Free smoke, free smoke, hey. That's what we, we, we leave it out on that. <laughs> the Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets, On the Market, Rookie Real Estate, or Money Podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets Podcast, on YouTube or wherever you listen.